his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Good morning. Greenville attorney Robin Ario joins us to talk about the Alec Murdoch trial. If you could bring him up, Tim, that'd be great. Good Good morning, morning, Rob. Hey. So, okay, um, some shocking video in the courtroom yesterday. Alec Murdoch standing over the bodies of his dead wife and dead son. He cried over that in court, the autopsy pictures. It upset him deeply, and you could see that in court. But what was so weird was the video of him at the scene standing over the bodies, and he's not crying at all. Yeah. um... Jarring juxtaposition yesterday. That will likely be argued that he was still in a state of shock. I, I found yesterday to be one of the most boring, also one of the most interesting, and one of the most shocking days. Um, a lot of the DNA evidence was incredibly boring, but it came to light upon cross-examination that none of the 74 stains that were tested on his shirt came back for blood. Um, Wait, I'm sorry. You, I couldn't. Hold the- on. Stop a second. None of the 74 stains on the shirt. What? I couldn't hear you. Oh, sorry. Um, so they tested the shirt for 74 uh-huh. stains that they found. This is Alex's shirt. were positive for blood. Wow. Okay, so none of the stains on Alex's shirt were positive for blood? Correct. Now, that could feed into a theory that he's changed shirts or right. washed a shirt, um, any number of things, but that's going to be a big win for the defense. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I... The most interesting part, and, you know, in one part I see why the prosecution did it, but another reason I think I would have objected if I was the defense is getting into the graphic testimony about the injuries and wounds suffered by Maggie and Paul. Um, We know that they have deceased. We know that they deceased from gunshot wounds. And I think the defense is going to focus in on some of the angles of those wounds to try to build up the two-shooter theory or something Better like that. I'm very interested to see the cross-examination of the medical examiner this morning. And again, part of what was so interesting with that video is that you have Murdaugh, Alec Murdaugh, standing over the, the bodies, and he is trying to assure investigators that, you know, this must have been done by somebody else. Yep, and that's what the, uh, the prosecution is going to focus in on. Um, they'll say that he was cold-blooded. He was immediately trying to deflect the defense will say that he is in shock and looking for answers and trying to figure out who it might be. Uh, I really do not envy the jury at all in this trial. That is tough. That is tough. What should we be on the lookout for today, Robin Ario? Um, 
Well, as mentioned, the cross-examination of the medical officer, I think they're going to focus in on the angles of the gunshot wounds to show that it's possibly two shooters or in some way try to eliminate Alex. We're supposed to be hearing from an expert from General Motors, not expert, but somebody laid a foundation for the GPS technology in Alex's Suburban um, that all of a sudden became available, although it was not available months ago. Um, Both sides have said that they believe that's going to be um, backing up the timeline that's already established, but I think there's going to be a little bit more to that. Um, The data not only includes GPS location, but doors being unlocked, cars being put in drive, park, reverse, adjustments of everything. So I think that'll be interesting to see if anything comes from that. And then we still have to wait and see, is Cousin Eddie going to testify? Um, I've heard that he is. I read from one source last night that they're thinking they're not going to call him because he's too questionable, too wishy-washy. But I still don't see a smoking gun, and the state's running out of time to put forward the smoking gun, the absolute evidence, the we gotcha. Because when the state wraps on Wednesday, um, tomorrow, if they wrap as projected, it's going to go to the defense. And the state doesn't have anything. They've got a lot of circumstantial evidence, but they don't have anything concrete. We have a lot of unusual behavior, but unusual behavior doesn't make someone a murderer. I guarantee you no one on that jury has ever found their wife and child shot to death. So unusual behavior doesn't get you there. The financial crimes, it may get you there, but it's a bit of an unusual motive. I think when the defense takes over later this week, we're going to see – the forensics, um, they're going to see their own cell phone expert to distort or dispute that data. We're going to see our own DNA expert to go forward and show that nothing really matters as far as what's been put forward by the state. And I have heard through a solid source that they have Alex prepared to take the stand. That'll be fascinating. Yeah, I believe that Alex taking the stand, if, if it was me doing the defense, I would have Alex as the last witness. I would want that to be my big moment before we go into closing arguments. To me, Rob, I, I, if I were on the jury, I think the to me the most compelling thing so far would have to be the timeline, um, you know, that he was at that scene five minutes before the murder, um, but yeah. said he was not, and yeah, we can put him there. Put Alex up. What'd you say? I think that's why they're going to have to put Alex up because there's going to have to be some sort of a reconciliation with that timeline. Yep. Either Alex saying he was mistaken due to the shock or I, I can't even fathom it, other explanations. But that's that's the strongest part of this case against Alex is that his alibi that he doubled down on in his second interview doesn't hold up when you look at Paul's video and the numerous witnesses that identified that as Alex's voice on that video. Robin Ario, you're an intern. You've been doing this for a long time. You said you don't envy the jury. Do you think they could possibly find him not guilty of this crime? I do. Um, yeah. As an attorney, we're trained to put logic over emotion. Uh, emotionally, It certainly looks like Alex did it. My emotional opinion is Alex did it. But when we look at the logic and we're looking at guilt beyond a reasonable doubt, I don't know if we're going to get there. Um, Something that I always stress in my arguments to a jury is that beyond a reasonable doubt is the holiest of holies of the burden of proof. If we were to look at child custody and family court, that is just clear and convincing evidence. That is the burden. 
That means that more likely than not, one parrot is more fit than another. So in order to convict somebody of a crime, you need stronger evidence and more conviction of their guilt than a judge needs to take a child from a loving parent. So it's going to be a very hard burden for the jury to find it beyond a reasonable doubt because I'm not seeing anything there that has convinced me it's him. Um, The alibi is the, the biggest weakness of his case, but there's still no proverbial smoking gun. Interesting. But you said you talked about how, you know, you were trained as an attorney to think logically. Do juries do that most of the time? Or are they more swayed by emotional arguments in your experience? Um, I, I've seen both. I have had cases where I thought my client was absolutely guilty and we went to trial simply because the plea offer was unacceptable. And the jury has come back not guilty. Um, I've seen cases where I was convinced my client was innocent, but Either my client had a gruff personality or there was something, for example, if a client was leaving his girlfriend's house to go home to his wife. You know, those emotional types of things will really taint a jury, but it's tough, Um, especially when you're dealing with a small-town jury. And I don't want to pick on the people of Colleton, but demographically, they're generally of lower education, lower income. It's more of a working-class type of person. And they may very well go for the emotional arguments of – who could kill his wife and son in such a manner? Um, you know, you, we saw Alex yesterday, and it was the most disturbed I've ever seen the man. Um, it was the most disturbed I think I've ever seen anybody. But in all fairness, I've never seen anybody looking at pictures of their murdered wife and child before either. So he, he was very emotionally upset. I think the defense will focus in on his reaction as part of their closing argument to say a man that's this upset couldn't possibly have done it. And it's easy to forget now, Rob, but for a long time, the how should I put the, the cast of the coverage of this, this whole Murdoch thing, right? The assumption I remember for months in the media was that there was such a trail of dead bodies behind the Murdoch family. Mm-hmm. Um, Mallory Beach, the housekeeper, um, the homosexual young man who died under strange circumstances. The assumption was for months in the media. And it's what I assumed that someone went and killed the Paul in revenge because Paul uh, was involved in the Mallory Beach situation, that there must be a very long list of suspects. There had to be any family member of any of these people. Um, and that's what I assumed for the longest time. I didn't think Alec Murdoch. So that's how the coverage went. People forget that. But there was months of coverage like that where it was a true who done it, and there was so many people that could have done it, given the long string of bodies and financial crimes behind the Murdaws, um, that, you know, that, that Alec left in his wake, that, 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 you know, Buster and Paul left in their wake, um, that it was assumed somebody uh, did this out of revenge. That's a lot of coverage. That's a lot of assumptions. So to think that isn't out of the norm, the media did for a very long time before they turned on Alec. They did. Um, and that's one of the public perceptions. You know, the jurors before they were selected for a jury were just members of the community, and they were all following this. So the jury's likely aware of some of the surrounding issues, but uh, a good defense attorney takes what he has to work with and turns it into something great. If I was going to put forth a reasonable, plausible scenario, it would be that somebody wanted to get revenge against Alex. Somebody was hiding, waiting for the moment for Alex to leave. As soon as Alex leaves, they murder his wife and family so he comes home and finds them and created some sort of either evil vigilante justice or something gang-related, drug-related. 
that would be an explanation that gets through Alex's alibi issue. He was wrong on that, but he left at this point in time. And a few moments later, Paul and Maggie were shot. And I I think, I really think the medical examiner is going to shed a lot of light on things through the cross-examination because something that stuck out to me was the, the order of the shots and the distance. Um, Paul was shot in his right side first and then shot in his left side while looking at his killer. So one shot would have turned him around. Uh, Maggie was shot in her leg and her abdomen first at close range, according to this uh, stippling, which is where the gunpowder comes along with the projectile and kind of makes a little pattern around the entry wound. So she was shot twice with a disabling shot. And then she was shot as she was falling over uh, through her breast up into her chin, into her head. And then the, and so that indicates that she was running from her killer. And then her killer comes around to the top of her head as she's laying on the ground and fires a shot that goes downward. So absolutely it was an execution. Um, but it would indicate to me that Paul was caught by surprise and Maggie was probably coming to see what the ruckus was, ran into the killer and well, she met her untimely demise. But that could work into a single shooter theory, a dual shooter theory. It could work into a number of things. And I, I think that the cross-examination of the medical examiner is going to be big for how the defense develops their closing. Robin Ario, I'm also wondering, too, what the months of murder hatred in that area, because, you know, the anger over the death of Mallory Beach... The civil case, I mean, the coverage of this family was incredibly negative before Paul ever turned up dead, before Maggie ever turned up dead. And it was specifically incredibly negative toward Paul, but also this idea that because of who the family was, they were able to get him off uh, for the death of Mallory Beach. So, I mean, all that's going to weigh in on, you know, can people see Paul as a victim? This is fascinating. Robin Ario, you do a great job. Thank you so much for joining us this morning on 106.3 WORD. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Oh, the irony. Every once in a while, the left reveals itself of what it actually is. And this is one of those moments we can't let slip by. If you spent any time on the free speech platform Twitter, where actual debates actually occur, it's not allowed by the FBI anywhere else, but it is on Twitter because Elon Musk won't let them censor you there. But you get to see what an actual debate looks like. And the left melted down on Twitter. Over these pro-Christian Super Bowl ads, which if you saw them, incredibly benign. This was the most multi-toast of Christianity possible. And that's what they was designed like that. There's nothing wrong with that. Because it was a very soft message um, designed to reach LGBTQ 
um, audiences across racial lines, traditional liberal audiences, okay? Now, the, the idea that there should be any kind of Jesus message sent to liberals had liberals frothing at the mouth in rage. I mean, just losing. You should have seen the meltdown on Twitter. And not just liberals on Twitter. MSNBC came unhinged going off on it. So did CNN. So, look, we're at the point, folks, a simple pro-Jesus ad. And you know what I think sets a laugh off about one of them? It was cross-racial. There were little children who were across races, you know, as kids always do. They don't see race because um, they're just sweet, loving little beans before they get corrupted by the world that they live in. Um, I, I think that the left seeing images of black children and white children and brown children loving each other and getting along. I mean, just they, it, they can't have people see that. They spend their days fomenting fake racial hatred so as to divide uh, Americans so they won't vote in their economic interests. Um, so that is, you know, key to the Democrat plan. They cannot have racial unity shown on national television, God forbid, with a Jesus message. They literally lost it. I mean, practically twitching on the floor, um, fetal style. AOC spoke for just about everyone. And fact, had, wait, how have we reached the point in America where a very soft pro-Jesus message leads to frothing rage on CNN and MSNBC? I'd play it for you, but my audio player's broken today. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to get uh, any of it to you um, or record any of it or I'd have it. So I apologize. Normally, this would be a more polished segment. But um, what, what, what we have here is Alexandra Casio-Cortez tweeting this. Something tells me Jesus would not spend millions of dollars on Super Bowl ads to make fascism look benign. Loving each other like children do is fascism. The message of the other ad was love your enemies is very sweet. It shows people yelling at each other and says, you know, we should love each other. That is the last thing the left wants. They spend so much time whipping up fake hatred. So you can see the panic. So talking about Jesus is fascism, right? We got that? We we all understand. It's where left is. Talking about Jesus is fascism. No place at the Super Bowl. No place for worshiping at the Super Bowl, right? They were offended. They were so mad these ads weren't rejected because they had a message about worshiping. Keep that in your head. Let's go back a week. Rewind. The left says, no worshiping on national television. That's bad. We don't want any religious interjection. Oh, like you mean when the when CBS tweeted from its official Twitter account, we can't wait to worship Satan? You mean like that? Because they did. For the second year in a row, Satan opened the Grammys. That's not an accident. Last year, the dancers grinded and simulated sex with Satan at the Grammys. Lest you think that was just the artistic performance, just the art part, we all have to accept it. Strangely, the Grammys opened the same way this year. Except the guy who did it, the guy uh, who perform- did the Grammy performance, put out a tweet beforehand as part of their PR package in which he literally said they would be, quote, worshiping Satan, unquote, at the Grammy. So there's your worship, right? It's a religion. It is, it's a religion, like any other. CBS retweeted that and said, we can't wait to worship. Their words, not mine. We can't wait to wor- worship who? Satan? I, I, dear God. 
So the left's all in a lather about that, right? Because they don't like worship. Nope. No, they're not. Left totally got upset about that kind of worship. There'll be no worship on national television. Oh, it was Satan. Cool. That's so hip. We love that stuff. So what did we learn last week? The left doesn't actually object to church and state being merged. The left doesn't actually object to a worship message as long as it's Satan being worshiped. So it's not the worship part that's the problem. It's the Jesus part. Satan, thumbs up. It's who they are, folks. And it's becoming more obvious every day. By the way, after a week of rage and outrage, CBS finally took that tweet down. You know the one they did. Admitting they worship Satan, and you should too. God, the times we live in. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast Good morning. Okay, so I just think this is interesting. Headline, UK Daily Mail, where we go to figure out what is going on in America. Because our media and our government spend so much time trying to confuse us here. Ex-NORAD commander. So this is the, not the current commander of NORAD, but the one before him. Says he'd be very suspicious He says these claims of UFOs, which have come from the federal government, the federal government did this, are a concerted effort by America's enemies to test outdated systems. He says um, that the problem here is that NORAD's equipment is so old and faulty, so badly in need of replacement, He went on to explain to the UK Daily Mail how old NORAD systems are and how the sheer number of UFOs showed that there's a coordinated effort by, he believes, foreign countries to test test our abilities to detect them, but also to mock us. 
He says it looks to be a coordinated effort because you have more than one of these objects. And he says it looks like a coordinated effort between these, you know, between whatever country's doing this, Russia, China, whoever it is. Interesting. So he's saying, look, we wouldn't know. That equipment is a mess. The systems are outdated. Hmm. Anyway, the guy uh, who's saying it is former NORAD commander Scott Clancy, and he told CNN uh, he would be very suspicious of the, the whole thing. The, the, the alien's explanation is not flying with him. He says more like people just, you know, they just, they just don't know. I don't, I don't know what to make of any of it. I do know what to make of this, though, folks. Watch the FBI. Two things on them right now. They repealed that memo, the one where they said they're going to start persecuting traditional Catholics for not accepting the Pope. So apparently there's a, a religious litmus test now at the, at the FBI. If you're a Catholic and you don't accept the Pope, who got the Pope's a communist. He's an avowed Marxist. I mean, he's openly pushed Marxism. Authoritarianism and communism as the way forward. That's why traditionalist Catholics like me have fought him tooth and nail. Can't stand him. And I look back all over my poster now against the Pope, and I'm like, wow, am I on an FBI list somewhere? I'm probably on an FBI list. Well, when they're not doing religious persecution, which, let me tell you what, all my Protestant friends, you're next. This is just the beginning. The FBI withdrew the memo, but did you notice they didn't say, oh, hey, and we're not going to persecute traditionalist Catholics for not accepting the Pope after all? They did not, did they? Because they are. They're going to infiltrate our churches. They just withdrew the memo telling us about it. That was their mistake, not the infiltration part. So that'll get you on a list. Don't do any of that Pope denial if you're a Catholic. FBI did not let, mm-mm, that doesn't fly with them. You better love that Marxist or else. And now this. Folks, I mean, dear God is the only way you can react to this. Did you hear about this? New York City employees who refused to get the vaccine, good for them, they live to an old age, including firefighters, police, teachers, uh, garbage men, all kinds of people like that. Working class folks, good folks. A hero if you're a police officer in New York City or a teacher. Not an easy thing to be. They got fired for not being vaccinated. And then you know what happened? The city of New York turned their names and their fingerprints over to the FBI for being unvaccinated, which I had no idea until this morning was a crime. Did you? Apparently it is. It gets worse. The fact that the FBI keeps a database of the unvaccinated was only discovered by accident because these workers are suing the city of New York and they happen to discover in discovery that this happened. Even worse, listen to what the FBI did. They took their fingerprints, they took their names, they took their social security numbers, and guess what they did? They flagged them in justice files within state and federal criminal justice databases. For what crime again? Oh, being unvaccinated. Okay, let's get it straight. So the FBI 
has to be literally bullied into going after people who are burning pregnancy crisis centers to the ground because those people are cool. But God forbid you refuse a shot and get fired. They put them in state and federal criminal justice record databases with flags. So now they can't get jobs because pre-employment background checks, which are standard and, and use these databases, now flag them with problem codes tagging the applicant as a potential criminal risk for being unvaccinated. And again, this was discovered by accident as part of discovering this lawsuit against the city of New York for firing these people. So, I mean, they had like, and they're all Democrats. That's the funniest part. They had like teachers and firefighters on Fox News this morning. They're just like their mouths are hanging open. So here's the thing. New York City could not possibly be the only city handing over fingerprints, names, and social security numbers to the FBI for the crime of being unvaccinated. How many other cities did it? Did your employer do it? You have one of those employers that fired you for being unvaccinated. They turned anything over to the FBI? Might want to ask HR. Why was the FBI keeping this database? And what gave them the right to flag these people with codes? Take their fingerprints? It's like something out of a dystopian novel. You know what this hints at? Let me tell you. Let me tell you where they go with this. This is, this is what this is. This is an enemies list. That's what this is. It's an enemies list. It comes complete with social security numbers and fingerprints. Now keep in mind the other enemies list the FBI collected. Remember, if you criticize the FBI... The federal government, not in a violent way, just in a normal American way, criticize the FBI or the federal government. The Facebook Facebook turned over either your post or your private message. Or if you question the results of the 2020 election, remember those were turned over to the FBI. The FBI forwarded them, according to the New York Post, so you know it's true, to your local FBI branch, and they put you under surveillance. So good God, I must be on like three lists because I'm unvaccinated, therefore a criminal in the eyes of the FBI. I deny the Pope. Not into Marxism, sorry, not down with that. So I'm probably on that list. (laughs) And I know they've got my post from Facebook, so I'm under surveillance for that too. Maybe my FBI minder could just contact me and let me know, are there any other lists that I'm on? Because I think we've just captured the entire audience of this station here. We're all on one of those lists. And the Republican leadership's just like, shrug of shoulders. Meanwhile, flat busted. This is incredible. Your State Department has been working hard with your tax dollars to make sure that you don't have free speech. And that anybody who questions the mainstream media narrative, even if they're right and the mainstream media is wrong, doesn't have free speech either. This is outrageous. Here's what happened. The State Department has been funding this this group hundreds of thousands of your dollars. It's called 
GDI, the Global, Global Disinformation Index. It's a British organization, an incredibly powerful one. It turns out this index is used by advertising executives in the placement of ads. So corporate houses seeking to promote their products online use corporate digital ad companies, right? The corporate digital ad companies run their advertising campaigns online. Those are big campaigns and they run them. Okay. Those firms contract with disinformation trackers so as to not place their ads next to disinformers or the way that you and I would think about it, anybody telling the truth. Like the New York Post about the Hunter Biden laptop. Who funds the Global Disinformation Index? State Department. With your money. And what do they do? Well, they produce a system. It's like an overlay that you can use. Do you want to find out why well, I don't want to be next to disinformers? Which I actually get at the corporate level. You don't want to, you know, be sponsoring some strange, I don't know, UFO video. Who knows? Some strange conspiracy video and then it looks like your company supports it. Like, I get that. Right? What about these blacklists? Who's, who's on those dangerous disinformers? Oh, Breitbart. Daily Caller. Washington Examiner. The New York Post, they say this GDI, which was funded with your taxpayer dollars, has cost those entities millions of dollars in ads. Now let's try to comprehend the irony of the State Department using your money to get the New York Post, the only mainstream media outlet, to get the Russia collusion hoax story right. It was a hoax. And they reported that years before the mainstream media and the only outlet to get the Hunter Biden laptop story right. They broke that story. And your government is still, until this week, censoring them for disinformation, gutting them of millions of dollars they could have used to pay staff to continue their efforts to find the truth out, no matter how much that offends CNN and MSNBC. So who are the trusted sources? You're going to love this. Huffington Post, BuzzFeed, you mean BuzzFeed, BuzzFeed was the original Russian disinformer, they published a dossier and told us it was real, (laughs) it's totally fake, created by Hillary Clinton's campaign, so this funnels ad dollars to outlets that will lie for them while denying ad dollars to outlets that get it correct, folks, every day free speech dies in darkness in this country and your government is paying for it with your dollars in a war against you.